Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. My name is Chrissy Garrison. I'm an independent science fiction and fantasy author, and I will be reading my stories to you. I wrote the story in a cafe in Broad Ripple, a pretty part of my city. I was drawn to the cafe when I spotted a trans flag hanging from a balcony nearby. The cafe was open air since one side of the building opened with garage doors. I sat at a table by myself with my laptop, tarot cards, and my coffee and came up with Tall Tale, set in my new Rosedale pub series. I can't stress enough how much I've missed writing somewhere other than my home office. Sure, my home office is comfortable and has everything I need, but a change of scenery provides a sense of being away from household worries and work, and that gave my creativity a big boost. And I dare say, the sense of freedom that came with my away mission was good for the soul. The Rosedale Pub, Tall Tale On Alyssa's first night as relief bartender at the Rosedale Pub, a traveler entered. Duffel bags slung over her shoulder, a golden retriever by her side, the traveler looked around her as though returning home after a long journey. The traveler wore matching khaki shorts and shirt, as well as heavy boots. The dog wore a vest full of cargo pockets. As she entered, the traveler swept off her pith helmet and veil and shook out a long, dark ponytail, which matched the color of her eyes. Shura sat at the bar, and when she noticed Alyssa's stare, she followed her new friend's gaze. She snorted and gnashed her little tusks. Here comes trouble. Trouble? What do you mean? asked Alyssa, polishing a glass she'd already polished more than once in the past hour. Barkeep, cried the traveler from halfway across the pub, a pint of your finest porter and a bag of jerky for my companion, if you please. The jukebox began to play The Ballad of Davy Crockett. Shura and Alyssa exchanged a glance. Shura rolled her eyes. Alyssa pulled a pint for the traveler. A slot opened in the mirror behind the bar, and a paper bag slid out. Alyssa placed both things upon the bar, just as the traveler planted her bottom on the stool next to Shura's. "'Welcome to the Rosedale Pub,' said Alyssa, watching the traveler down half of the porter in one long swallow. "'Oh, she's been here before,' remarked Shura. "'What's your story this time, True?' The traveler's eyes narrowed on Shura, then fixed upon Alyssa. "'New here, hmm?' Name's True Colorado, and this is my faithful friend, Doge. You mean like on the internet? asked Alyssa. True Colorado grinned. Ah, you've been to at least one of the Earths, I see. Yes, my buddy Doge isn't from around there, but the name seems apt. Uplifted, said Shura, as though that explained everything. Uplifted, maybe, or perhaps from some place where dogs are smarter than the average bear said True Colorado as she offered the bag of jerky to the golden retriever. The dog took the bag from her, placed it upon another barstool, and carefully tore it lengthwise to expose the leathery dried meat within. Come on, True, what's today's tall tale? asked Shura, poking a clawed finger in the traveler's direction. True Colorado chuckled and drained her glass. Tall tale indeed. Twenty stories tall if you're two meters. Shura shrugged. Go on. Alyssa took the empty glass from True Colorado and filled another. Twenty stories? What, did you run into King Kong? True grinned and sipped her second porter. 
She wiped the foam from her lip and nodded her head. Something like that. There I was in Gebus, and out of the way verse a few hops past aired when I caught wind of an archaeological find of the century. Shura coughed into her sleeve, possibly covering her laugh. Archaeological find. Theft of cultural artifacts, I'll bet. True Colorado raised a hand to her chest and affected a wounded expression. Who are you to make such accusations, pool hustler? Shura bared many pointed teeth in a wide grin. I'm providing a public service, teaching folks not to be so gullible. You take priceless objects of art from one dimension and sell them in another. Thieves who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. A smile spread across True's face like syrup poured over pancakes. Fair, but it's business either way, my friend. As I said, I got wind of a tremendous business opportunity via my furry friend here, and we simply couldn't pass it up. Alyssa eyed the dog, who gnawed on his second strip of jerky with a vacuous expression upon his face. Doge told you about a job? This I gotta see, a talking dog. Talking dog? laughed True Colorado, shaking her head. Nah, Doge is pretty smart, but he doesn't talk. Alyssa's brow furrowed. Then how? He typed it out on his read-aloud keyboard, of course, said True. Doge continued to chew the jerky, even as he pulled a small box from his collar and tapped on the keys. The box spoke in a tinny voice that reminded Alyssa of a speaking spell. Dry meat, good. Bar lady, pretty. Water for Doge? Alyssa laughed and pulled a water bottle from an icy trough behind the bar, sliding it and a bowl across to True. The dog grinned at Alyssa and bobbed his head as True poured the water for him. Anyway, where were we? said True. Alyssa prompted. A job twenty stories tall? True touched her own nose with a finger. Gotcha! The locals in the city I ended up in on Gebis had a museum. In the museum were artifacts from before a nuclear war several hundred years before. These artifacts were reputed to be terrible weapons, not to be touched. I figured that if the survivors of a nuclear war feared these artifacts, I had to get a good look. Weapons, True? Doesn't seem like your style, remarked Shura. True smiled at the orc-like pool hustler. Perhaps you know me a bit better than I thought. Normally I go for jewels and artwork, as you say. They tend to have better resale value in other verses, and weapons tend to be dangerous. As in, dangerous to me, because they're more lethally guarded. After a long draw from her porter, True continued, These artifacts, however, seem more like the kind of thing I liberate. There seemed to be no way that they could have the legendary properties that were attributed to them. Alyssa frowned. What kind of properties? True Colorado waved a hand dismissively. Oh, you know, maybe the power to steal the air from your enemy's lungs. Maybe to erase an enemy from existence by killing his great-grandfather through a time glitch. Another might bring a microscopic black hole into existence on the spot to swallow a small city whole. That kind of thing. Shura sat a bit straighter upon her stool. So, magical weapons of war? I thought you didn't believe in magic, True. True shrugged. You know the old saw about sufficiently advanced technology? That it might as well be magic? Well, I didn't know if that was what they had there, but I figured it was worth finding out, you know? So Doge and I cased the museum, dressed up as tourists. The display was most impressive, I'll have to admit. Each artifact in its alcove held behind a force field with robotic guardians 24-7. 
Guess the robots themselves were built before the war, still ticking along, their programming set before the bombs went off. But it was Doge who saw the flaw in their security. Doge, asked Alyssa, glancing at the dog, who barked twice and lulled a friendly tongue as he met her gaze. Yeah, he found some glassy rocks around the city. He noticed they repelled each other, common as dirt. Someone even made a sculpture of them, held in place by chicken wire. The stones repelled each other to fill the space, pebbles floating around like flakes in a snow globe. Pretty cool. He socked a bunch of the rocks away in his vest pockets to play with later. What's that got to do with the museum? asked Shura, sliding her glass to Alyssa for a refill. True held up a finger. Patience, my handsome friend. So, as soon as we got in there, a pocket on Doge's vest flew open. One of those rocks popped out and shot across the atrium. To my amazement, it slammed into a force field. The robots went into a frenzy as it hit with a flash and a sound like a giant bug zapper. Shura raised an eyebrow. True nodded. Yeah, it was like fate wanted me to take that one. I wasn't sure which to liberate until that very moment. Or let's be honest, how I would do it. So I borrowed a big handful of the rocks from my faithful companion and threw them at the alcove. They hit like a swarm of angry electric carpenter bees. I took the precaution of covering my eyes and Doge's to prevent being blinded by the flash. When we looked again, the robots had slumped and the force fields had fallen. The prize lay unguarded, now encased in a protective layer of small rocks. So you swiped it said Shura, sipping at the thick greenish liquid Alyssa had poured for her. True grinned and clasped her hands together. Of course, wouldn't you? In the confusion, Doge and I made off with the artifact and escaped into the city. I couldn't believe my luck. We'd gotten away scot-free. So what did the gizmo do? I mean, other than attracting shiny rocks, asked Alyssa. Well, I found a quiet pub, much like this one, quite a ways from the city center, and took a look at it. I found I could reach a finger between the rocks, and when I touched its surface, the rocks fell off the mirrored sphere. The rocks moved together and formed into a creature, a small man made of shiny rocks. I found I could direct it to walk around the table with my thoughts as I held the artifact. And then I found it could take more than simple commands. As I thought about having another draft of porter, it marched across the pub, grabbed a glass, filled it, and brought it back to me. Alyssa laughed. Are you telling me no one noticed that little show? True sighed. <sighs> Alas, it didn't go unnoticed. Far from it. The bartender, a less enlightened soul than yourself, yelled at me, gaining me an audience of every patron in the establishment. A brute of a bouncer, much larger than our pool-playing friend here, threatened violence upon my person. In my panic, I must have thought of needing help. As it happened, the bar itself was made of the shiny stone material, and it cracked and broke into chunks, which formed a much larger stone man who threw the bouncer aside like a rag doll. Alyssa and Shura exchanged an incredulous look, then both looked at the traveler, waiting for her to continue. Anyway, one thing led to another as I fled the place. Turns out those gebbins used that glassy rock as a common building material, like we might use marble or granite on the earth. My guess is it's a relic of their nuclear wars. Whatever. I ran in panic from the monster my thoughts had made. I clutched the silvery sphere and fled as buildings began to come apart around me. At first, I thought it must be an earthquake. But then a Kong-sized monster man stomped the streets behind me. 
The ground shook, and I found there was nowhere I could hide that the rock monster wouldn't follow, wreaking destruction and chaos in its wake. I didn't know what to do. The rock monster shook its fist at the sky and knocked over a clock tower as an echo of my frustration. Wait, why didn't you just drop the sphere? asked Alyssa. True stared at her as though this thought had never occurred to her. Are you kidding? snorted Shura. This one's likely to go to her grave clutching her last treasure. A small, sheepish smile crept across True Colorado's lips, and she nodded. I am certain you're right. It will be my epitaph. But things got worse right about then, so I had no choice but to grip the sphere and try to direct the monster's energy at a new danger. The locals had a monster of their own, a massive metal defender. It was a 20-story robot, or mecha, or something. Whatever it was, it flew in like a jet and landed on its feet like an Olympic athlete and landed a punch to the stony head of my gigantic avatar. Friends, let me tell you, debris landed so close to Doge and me that I cried out and ran to the opening of the closest ways opening, as directed by my wrist direction finder. But what about the stone monster? What did it do? True shrugged. It slugged it out with the giant robot. I'll bet it would make an epic kaiju movie back home on my Earth, or yours. Mecha Godzilla versus Boulder Man or something. I didn't care to stick around to see who won. Doge and I slipped into a ways portal and kept running until we were worlds away. Shura glanced at the duffel bag, leaning against True Colorado's barstool. You mean to tell me you brought a monster-making artifact with you? Here? At the Rosedale? True nodded and waved a hand. Yes, but don't worry, it's harmless. Harmless, cried Alyssa. It sounds like your plundered weapon destroyed a good chunk of a city in Gennis. True nodded. Alas, it requires that special mineral combination to work. Look, I'll admit, I took it out in Arn just to see if it posed a danger. Nothing happened. I tried again in half a dozen other worlds on my way here. All the same, nada. It's just a pretty sphere here. Might as well just be a disco ball. A disco ball? asked Shura. Alyssa shrugged. Spheres with hundreds of tiny faceted mirrors covering them. They're used in dance clubs to scatter light in interesting patterns. Shura snorted. Sounds like bullcrap story to me. You've got a bauble you say is a terrible weapon, but it doesn't do anything anywhere but Gebbis? True shrugged. And I dare not return to that place, for fear the local authorities got a description of me before I left. But it's not completely worthless. It's just not all that impressive here. Let me demonstrate. Alyssa took an unconscious step back from the bar as True Colorado produced a silvery sphere the size of a cantaloupe and held it up for everyone to see. Alyssa suppressed a giggle. The thing did look like a small disco ball. So it's pretty, but... began Shura. Doge barked twice and pulled open the Velcro closures on several of his pockets and shiny stones tumbled out on the floor. The stones assembled themselves into a little man. The foot-tall stone man began doing jumping jacks. Alyssa and Shura gasped and looked around the bar for any shiny stones that might join to form a larger creature. The mirror behind the bar shimmered and a face appeared, its pointed features clouded in anger. The velvety voice held more power and volume than Alyssa had heard from the spirit of the Rosedale pub before. Put that thing away. True Colorado protested, but I was only... Now, commanded Rosedale, 
As their face grew to fill the entire mirror, their dangerous eyes focused upon the traveler as though true were a mosquito that Rosedale wished to squash. True tucked the silvery ball back into her duffel bag and showed her empty hands to the mirror behind the bar. The stones fell to the floor. There, it's gone, okay? The mirror became just a mirror once more. Doge gathered up the fallen stones and placed them in various cargo pockets in his vest. Visibly shaken, True said, I don't suppose I could get a sandwich to go. Alyssa shrugged. I can ask Rosedale. True held up her hands. That's okay. I'd best be off anyway. Doge, finish up. We're hitting the road. Where are you headed this time? asked Alyssa, smiling at the traveler. Oh, probably back to one of the Earths. I figure maybe someone's in the market for a fancy disco ball. Don't drop it, warned Alyssa. Sure and True turned to stare at Alyssa. Sure, I put down her glass, waited for a few beats, and then asked, Okay, why shouldn't she drop it? You think it might explode? Alyssa shook her head and kept her face as neutral as possible as she said, I figure if you did break it, that'd be worth at least 700 years of bad luck. True Colorado scowled and made a rude noise. She turned and, without another word, left the Rosedale pub. Doge grabbed the remaining strips of jerky in his mouth and trotted after his companion. Nice try, said a chuckling Shura, but she'll be back. She's a regular. Can't blame a girl for trying. You think that story of hers was real? asked Alyssa. Shura turned her hands to show her palms, shrugging. How should I know if any of True's stories are real? Alyssa shook her head. Are all her stories that outrageous? Shura grinned. Every one of them. Either she lives an incredible life or she's got a fantastic imagination. Not sure it matters which. Just got to be prepared for a whopper any time she comes in here. Well, maybe. Let's just hope that if her life really is that incredible, that she doesn't drag that kind of disaster in here with her. Ah, Rosedale can handle anything true Colorado can dish out, right? Sure, it turned to regard the mirror behind the bar. The mirror remained a mirror, her question unanswered, much to the dismay of Shura and Alyssa. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places. The theme music for Alien Beer Podcast is Phantom from Space by Kevin McLeod. I very much enjoy feedback on this podcast and on my stories, so please leave comments on my website, Visit me at at EC Garrison on Twitter, ECrisGarrison on Facebook, or drop me an email at ECG at SillyHatBooks.com. This is Jim Adams from Monster Attack. Hey, if you remember that monster movie from your childhood that got it all started for you, the one that really got you interested in monster movies, horror movies, sci-fis, and cult films, then you're going to want to listen every week to Monster Attack. We look at some of our favorite monster movies from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. With new episodes uploaded every Monday, it's Monster Attack exclusively on the Project Entertainment Network. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.